0: Here we are. We're in our final lesson um, out of the Apostolic family series. This is, our, this is our last week. This has been a fun series for me. Thank you to all those who have reached out, all those who have purchased the book. Maybe you say, "Well, I didn't get a chance to get the book. Is there anything else there that's in it?" There are some very specific lessons. Parenting, um, young children, parenting adults, how to deal with elders and elder care is an incredible. Incredible chapter in that book. Singles. There's an amazing chapter on singles in the Apostolic Family book. So, if you have the opportunity, I'd love to get that. There's no difference between someone who cannot read and someone who chooses not to. Matthew 12. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Last week we did a very practical look through a lesson by Aaron Soto. This week we're going to do a very professional perspective of communicating with the family. This was written by Dr. Clay Jackson, a licensed minister and church planter himself, um, here on communicating with the family. Again, when we say the family, we're talking about our immediate family, but we're also talking about the church family and ultimately overall the family of God as it were. Lord, we love you. We thank you for what we feel in this house. I pray that you would help me to speak with wisdom and clarity. I pray that you'd help me to teach. Lord, you know that while I am teaching from this lesson, I have spent hours pouring through this particular chapter so that I might do my best to teach on this topic. I'm asking that you would help it to be effective tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. The ability to communicate by speech is a distinguishing mark of humanity that indicates our creation in the image of God. And regardless, regardless of what anyone says, we were created by God in the image of God. Amen? Amen. Hydra pointed to this reality with this assessment that language is the house of being. Scripture places such a high importance on the verbal communication, it exhorts death and life and the power of the tongue in Proverbs 18. And James 3 talks about the tongue is a fire. The starting point of proper communication within the family should be that realization that our words and actions within the home require the power of the Spirit to shape our experience into one that honors God and the inheritance that He has given us. When Paul joined Christians to Colossae, he he said, to let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. He invoked two powerful principles involved in communications, okay? First, the grace of God. And how many know we need the grace of God? If you want to get grace, give grace. (laughs) Praise the Lord. And second, Paul echoed Jesus' metaphor of Christians as the salt of the earth to remind us that in order for speech to accomplish its divinely appointed purpose, it must be sanctified. Speech is critical, but how you speak is critical because there's life tied to those words. So here we go. The first principle of family communication is that it should be consistent and reliable. How many know that point one, really, if any of us in our families or here in our church family, if we could just get this point, wouldn't that really take us a long ways? Family communication should be consistent and reliable. Everyone within the family should be able to rely on those verbal statements being sincere, and should be there, uh, therefore, able to take them at face value. In the gospel, we find it: "Let your yes be yes, your no be no. What uh, for whatsoever is more than these is is from the evil one." When communication is straightforward and trustworthy, it needs no oaths or epith- uh, epithets to. Uh, underline its veracity. If the proverb is true that a man is good as his word, it stands to reason that a family is as stable as its communication in describing the ideal woman. Mm. In Proverbs 31, the author pointed out her husband safely trusts in her. You know how many, I can't even express to you how many Meetings I have set in over the years where the husband wants to know why he doesn't have her trust. It doesn't take long into the history to be able to tell them why. And it can go either way. How many know that trust is not just earned, trust is kept? Amen. Hey. But it needs to be that consistent. The second principle of family communication derives from the first. Communication should be open and honest. Everybody say open and honest. Passive aggressive need not apply. (laughs) I don't care where we go. You do care. You care. No, I don't. I don't care. Wear whatever you want. No, just tell me. Just tell me what's going to look better. Come on. Come on. Open and honest and address conflict within within an overall framework of trust and goodwill. Whatever is said, this is critical, whatever is said within the context of the home should be rooted in a goal of mutual edification. Edification. Rather than pulling down or wounding. This sounds so basic. But don't you know we do it. You know how to wound someone else with your tongue. You do. And some of you in here. You're not the aggressor. But you know how to be wounded. You know that they know just what to say. Just how to, how to let that happen. But biblically. Biblically. Our words are meant to edify, edify, to strengthen. And why would we be at a job site where we talk kind to people that we don't have to go home with? Pastor, because that's the thing. I don't have to go home with them. It's, it's easy. No. No. We have to speak edifying, okay? Not for wounding. Even when it's painful, truth is truth. Did anybody ever have your, your parent look at you when you were younger and you were trying to just wiggle your way out of something and finally they looked at you, just tell me the truth. You know, the eyes crazy, just tell me. And I don't know, I don't even know how this works but I've been guilty of saying it even as a parent. If you don't tell me the truth, it's going to cost you more. Right? But it's true. It's true that even while it might sting or be painful, truth must be the rule. Without truth, you cannot have trust. They work together. They hold hands. Truth and trust have been going steady since going steady was a thing. (laughs) No teenagers in here, they'd be like, going steady. (laughs) Conflict-seeking and conflict-avoiding behaviors in communication can be equally destructive. A house seething with an uneasy quiet may sound more peaceful than a noisy with an argument, but both fail to invite the advent of peace. Mmm. Mmm. Well, we don't yell. Yeah, but you don't talk at all. You don't you don't even talk to each other. There wouldn't be any noise in your house at all if it wasn't for the TV. I love Wednesday. Now I, I love these right here—the nervous moments. Remember Chris Barber talking about the nerve? I love those moments where it's like, ah. <laughs> but it is true, and we have dealt with it. But having no talk at all is not the answer. We're not screaming. Not on scream. Work up to it. Ease, ease into it. From the principle that communication must be honest, we can derive the conclusion that its content may not always be positive. May not always be positive. However, its intent must always be positive, and that's the big difference. The content, while it might not be positive, the intention has to be. If you tell the truth to wound, you're doing it incorrectly anyway. Well, I just thought somebody should tell you. Oh, really? Be careful. Be careful with what measure you judge. Be careful. Let's look here at considering the four quadrants of speech. Negative content with negative intent. Gossip, slander, lies, belittling. Can I tell you something right now? That top left quadrant right there, none of those belong in your house. Not with you and your spouse, not with you and your children, not with you and your parents, not with you and your siblings. Nobody. Say, well, they don't even live with me, but every time we get on the phone, not in your house. It should not come out of your mouth in your house. You should not pollute your house any more than you would spend all week putting the trash in the garbage and then walk into your living room and rip it open been sitting in that trash can all week long, you wouldn't walk into your living room over the couch and rip that thing open and let it sit there, then why would you allow yourself a Holy Ghost-filled child of God? Why would you go all week long, be in three services, and then walk in and sit down on that couch and open up your mouth and spew things that are not connected to that book or your spirit? Amen? Amen. Amen. Those things have no... Lying? Come on, that's in the Big Ten. Right? Slander? Gossip? Don't even get me started on gossip. Flattery. Positive content. Negative intent. You beware of people that are too flattery too quick. Nobody like you. Now you don't have to be cynical either. I'm going to wait till he proves himself for a while. Because that'll come back on you too. It will. But too much flattery isn't good either. Be be weary of people that are too easily flattering with you. Okay? Especially if there's negative intent, which often is with shallow flattery. How about that bottom left? Rebuke and entreaty. This is negative content, but it's, Positive intent. I have been rebuked. And I needed it. It was negative. I didn't like it. Brother Tip Sword, I got my feelings hurt. I was uh you've seen me when I preach I get kind of sweaty. I have an issue. Doctors call it a sweating problem. <laughs> <laughs> I preached one time, had this guy come up to me said, I'm going to buy you some special clothing. <laughs> I said, just buy me a black suit. We'll be... <laughs> but I was just a young, young preacher, Brother Blake. I was preaching this revival, and I wore a gray suit, light gray. Brother Kilman, it was so nice. I know Brother Mooney taught me not to wear a gray suit, but I wore a gray suit because it's what I had. <laughs> I was young, and I was preaching Brother Mathis, I preach hard. I mean hard. Sweat, shouting, everybody was... I thought I had done real good. If nothing else, I yelled several times. <laughs> several times. It's real sweaty. This elder came up to me, Brother Brown, after he put his arm around me. kind of. Everybody was... We'd had a powerful altar call. I, I wasn't ready for the... He said, Now, Brother, let me talk to you for a second. And in that moment... He began to talk to me about why I should not wear a light gray suit. Remember this? I told you this story. Had sweat marks down my legs. Sweat marks down my backside. Sweat marks down my pits. You know what he was doing? He was helping me. He said it was a good message, but it was also distracting. He said, "Because while some were listening to your words, several were watching your sweat." I said, "You got to be kidding me!" And the first, you know what? I first thing I wanted to do, I wanted to think that's so shallow. It's not like the rebuke I got for when I preached the wrong thing. That one I understood. This is just a suit. You know what? It was still right. It can hurt your feelings and save your ministry. It might hurt your feelings and save your marriage. You'd rather it hurt your feelings today and you still be married in five years. Amen. How about uh, positive content, positive intent? That's what we all want right there. Encouragement. Be an encourager. Be, Be an encourager. How about a comforter? Resemble the Holy Ghost a little bit. Be a blessing. Edify the body. I don't want my kids a nervous wreck when I get home. I want them to be excited when I get home. I don't want my kids to think, oh, here comes the grouch. Right? Gratitude. I'm going to tell you, we're, we're going into November, and I know I'm going to end up spending some time on it, but gratitude. Ladies and gentlemen, I think we can have massive revival with just a revival of gratitude. Gratitude. Thanksgiving one to another. We should not expect anything. Okay? Research has shown that most people need to hear five positive comments before they'll respond to negative feedback in a non-defensive way. Hmm. If the first time you talk to me is negative, well, let's just... You never want to talk to them unless you want to tell them what's wrong. I feel like the Lord wanted me to tell you. Well, I'm going to tell you what else the Lord wanted you to tell them was hello. I'm going to help somebody right now. I'm going to try to do it through humor, but the Lord also wanted you to give them a smile last week. You didn't do that, so maybe you shouldn't give today's lesson. Before you bring a word of correction, make sure that you bring a word of comfort. Before you're ready to chastise, make sure you're ready to be Christ-like. It is the way we entreat one another. The same kid you've got to reprimand as the same kid you got to kiss on the cheek and tell him that you love him like nobody loves him. The same in the body of Christ, the way that we greet one another. Well, amen. Benefits of gratitude. Here's some benefits of gratitude. How about the physical benefits? Get grateful. Improved sleep. Oh, this is what studies have shown. Reduced illness. Can't keep a good man down. Increased energy. Increased exercise. Longer life. Here's the emotional benefits. These are medically, medically proven, researched. These are benefits of having a, an attitude of gratitude. How about your emotional benefits? More relaxed. How many know some of you need that? You need the gratitude to counterbalance your coffee consumption. More positive mood. I'm going to say something right here and I'm going to move on, but hear me right now. The Lord reminded me here tonight, we're in a battle of the mind like we've never been. We're in a battle with the minds right now in the world like we have never been. We've got to be thankful unto God for what He's given, what He's kept. what He. Even if you're in the middle of something, if you'll get a thankful heart, get a thankful mindset, okay? More positive mood, more resilient, better memories, less envious. Ooh. How about your personality? Some of y'all want to nudge your spouse. Yeah, listen, listen here, listen here. <laughs> personality work. Less materialistic, less self centered, more optimistic, increased self esteem, more spiritual. Praise God. More socially outgoing. I just don't, I just don't feel like hanging out with anybody. Come on. You're not hurting anybody but you. Every time your spouse, now some of you are more introverted, but I got I gotta do this and I'll move on. Some of you are more introverted than others. Okay? But every time your spouse wants to go out with another couple, you try to talk her into just staying home. It might not fulfill you, but it might fulfill her. Give her a night. Okay? Give that opportunity to our singles that are in here right now. Even if you're introverted. It is not good for you to be alone all the time. It's not, well, I don't really fit in. Then butt in. (laughs) I don't really wanna be the third wheel. Then get a fourth and both of you come. (laughs) We need the body. We need to be connected. I have watched it, Pastor Gallian. I've watched it over over and 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 over where people get so depressed but they were convinced that they had to be alone. Next thing they know, they didn't fit anywhere. And you know what the mindset is from the other side? I don't know why they never want to come out. I don't know why they won't ever hang out. I don't know why they never invite me. I don't know. Because they invited you seven times. And you're so worried about how you're going to be perceived. I feel a word for somebody here, okay? Get connected to the body. Even if it's against your personality, it might be for your spirituality. It might be tough for your mind, but it might save it at the same time. Because the same mind that cripples people from getting in activity with crowds, the same mind that cripples them, then cripples them in isolation. Mm. How about vocational? Better management. Improved networking. Goal achievement. Everybody in this building needs to be setting goals. From the youngest to the oldest, you need to have goals. Goals. I think you need goals every week. I think you need goals for your year. If you're not setting any goals, how do you know if you're achieving anything? Set some goals. Increase productivity. Improve decision making. Oh, praise God. Everybody ought to say amen to that. Social. More socially outgoing, healthier marriage, deeper relationships, more friendships, kinder. Amen. Paul warned the church at the Christians of Galatia, if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you become consumed by one another. Look down to point five, poor communication versus open communication. Poor communication versus open communication. This is just a, a brief little diagram you can kind of see there with someone dealing with trauma. Poor communication at the top leading to post-traumatic stress disorder. Bottom, open communication, resiliency. And I, I, just for anybody in the room that thinks that, that well, that's, that's a bunch of hocus pocus and that stuff isn't real or, or that's not true, it is real and it does happen and people do have real problems. The same as people in here have heart problems, people in here have emotional problems. People in the world that we're ministering to, Brother Brown, you said it earlier, just good old-fashioned sinners coming in. Listen, if we got problems, if you have problems with the Holy Ghost, amen. But can I just go ahead and add to that too? If we who are full of the Holy Ghost and understand the the truth of the Word of God, if we refuse to get better in our communication, how do we expect to set the standard and set the tone for what God wants to do in other families that are coming in? That's part of what discipling is all about. During a typical day, a father will speak about 7,000 words, a mother, 13,000 oh, I'd like to have fun Uh, with that right there. (sighs) These words shape the environment of our home, determine what type of parenting our children experience. You notice I never even looked over. I just look, I just, I'm not even trying to block peripheral. (laughs) Jesus taught that we would give account in judgment for every idle word. We've got to be guarded in what we say and also I think we ought to guard what we don't say. We talk too much about what we do and not enough about what we don't. The Greek word translated as idol in the text argos it denounces or denotes being useless or unemployed. With respect to the words we use to shape our children's lives, what job description should we give to our speech? How should we communicate effectively and what environment should our words help to create? Let's look at point six here, four distinct parenting styles. I'm going I'm to slide through this very quick because there's really one of them I want you to key in on and maybe do a little homework and read about. Permissive, have it your way. That right there is what too many parents in the world are doing. Okay. Have it your way. Neglectful, you're in the way. That right there is the parenting style I dealt with a lot as a youth pastor. I remember I would pull into the driveway. I'd have boys that I loved. I wanted to adopt these kids. My wife, my wife could tell you the story. I'd sit there. I'd be so mad. I'd listen to their father scream at them over the phone because he had to leave the bar to come let them in the house. Now i got to be honest with you. There are a couple times even as a preacher where I felt enough righteous indignation, I thought I'd like to have some time with him. I'd like to lay hands on him suddenly. (laughs) Over and over again. authoritarian my way or the highway a lot of you guys in this room were raised under authoritarian authoritarian and it did come with a lot of pros but you also know the stuff you've never talked about and some of the cons that came and there's authoritative this is the way let's discuss it numerous studies have confirmed that that style of parenting is far more likely to produce positive results the authoritative high control High acceptance style. I talked to you about this a couple of weeks ago, and I will not continue. There's great, there's great language there. I want you in your own time, please read through this. But ladies and gentlemen, we've got to have conversations in our homes. We've got to have conversations in our homes. They are smart. They're smart. They're worth having the conversations. I went down to open up our service downstairs in the youth, and I looked at all, all those dozens of young people. I mean, that place is packed. But having James Wilson here probably doesn't hurt. They said, they said Monday night at youth choir, they said, you can't believe how many kids have joined the choir. <laughs> it's whatever it takes. We're having revival. Went down there to open that up, and I know I'm going to talk about this tonight, but it's not just for the younger ones. Even in the the younger kids, I went and peeked around in kids' church, and they're going through the motions and teaching. So wherever your children may fall on the spectrum, or maybe your children are, are already grown and on their own, we've got to have conversations. We must converse. Okay? But if you still have children that live under your roof, you're the boss. Right? Harold Hoffman used to always say, I'm the boss, you're the applesauce. You're the boss, but that doesn't mean that you have to wear them out every time. My way or the highway. Give them the opportunity to enter into dialogue. A lot of who we lost as young adults, and you go back and read some of those studies, and there's been a small change in those numbers over the last 15 years, but when you go back and look, a lot. notice in the church today, a lot of the 40 to 50 year olds who were raised in the church, we lost an entire generation. We lost them i not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. We just lost them. It's not just here. We lost them. Because it was, this, it was this change in our culture where culture was shifting to this conversation opportunity. The days of my way or the highway had kind of started to subside. That authoritarian had begun to transition into this, uh, this new opportunity for conversing and dialogue. And there was a cultural shift that the kids were living in. But there was this different church amongst them. And it was a hard transition. You look at so many that were walking away. It was 80, 82 to 86% at 18 years old that were abandoning their faith. You know why? Why? Because they weren't allowed to ask any questions for 18 years and get any answer except for because I said so. But why are we, don't you dare ask why? This is how we live, this is how we dress, this is how we, this is how, this, ladies and gentlemen, you do not have to try to hide what's in the book. We're we're all about good, good questions. You wanna know the most liberating answer, even as a parent? That's a great question. I don't know. Oh, I can't admit that. You can. It's okay. And I'm going to tell you, this world of technology junky children, I couldn't get on a device not long ago. My eight-year-old was on it like that. They're coming up with good questions. It's okay to say, I, know, I don't know. But then to enter into dialogue to study it out. For some of us, it's, drive, it's driving us back into study. Okay? Make sure that we, we hear them out. We enter into conversation with them. Let's go down and I'll, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop here. Pro tips for communication. Establishing healthy communication skills. Listening. Listening. Don't interrupt. There's a reason God gave you two ears and one mouth. Active listening means actually being able to listen until they're done talking and then being able to respond. Have you ever been in a conversation where they finally stop talking and you have no idea what they just said? <laughs> so what do you think about it? Uh, Men typically say, I think you're right. (laughs) You have no idea what I said to you. No, No, but I've learned you're right. You're right. (laughs) Empathize. Show respect. Reserve judgment. Listen for what isn't being said. I will also tell you that is a two-edged sword. You better know what you're doing with that one. Well, what you're not saying, don't. Tell them what they're not saying. Listen for what is isn't being said. Observe body language. If she says she's happy, but she don't say she's happy. No, I'm fine. Come on, ladies. When he says he's... Everything's good. Let's just go. Everything's good. Wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> Right? Now we'd all be naive to be like, they said they were good. They said. <laughs> How about in talking? Use I phrases. You d- <laughs> include yourself for sure. You don't want to have a conversation where everything is you oughta. Well, what I think you ought to do. Well, what I think you ought to do. I bring yourself into the encourage open ended conversation. Restate what has been said. What does restating what has been said do? It shows you listened. It shows you listened. Respond rather than react. Be specific. Stick to the discussion at hand. Avoid lecturing. Be positive. Seek to outweigh criticism. Be positive. Seek to outweigh criticism. Don't let them be bitter. Don't allow that. How about B, managing emotions? I'm going to wrap up real quickly. Don't get worried. Self awareness. Seek to understand reasons for action. Self control. Self control. Self control. Self control. It was not the devil. It was you. This flesh. Just you. We've mystified the flesh too. And we go back and study that. That didn't even come. No. That's a good study too. Well, if it wasn't for this flesh. Yeah, you wouldn't be breathing. Just self-control. Consider results of actions before taking them. Doesn't this sound, that, that's so dumbed down, pastor. That's so, that's so basic. No, it's a, it's a progressive need. Relaxation. Learn to take deep breaths. Slow down. Count to 10 before answering. Some of you count to 100. How about problem solving? Seek the underlying cause of the emotion. Positive thinking. In conflict, assume Positive intent, managing stress, set aside personal time. Again, Brother Brown, you, you were talking about that revival. Where did that come from today? It was time in meditation. You had given intentional time to it. We need prayer, folks. We get to have intentional time. You're, my day's too busy. If your day's that busy, you need a little extra time in prayer. Changing the scene, learn to change negative environments find distractions model appropriate behavior this is such a big one right here example what you desire to see in others how about resolving conflict determine underlying cause of the conflict approach it prayerfully it may require professional help counseling is not wrong I believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. There's nothing like it. But some practical instruction may help too. Pay attention to patterns. Consistent themes require work. Random conflicts may indicate attention seeking. Don't attempt resolution when emotions are high. That is a big one right there. Table. Agree not agree to disagree. Agree to come back to the topic later when nobody's going to throw mashed potatoes. (laughs) Set up routine times for discussion. Family council to set goals and discuss rules. I recently worked with a family about this in the house. Setting family values and family goals. I believe in this. You see down through there, D and E, building self-esteem. Structure, limits, and discipline. Stand with me tonight. I will say an E, structure, limit, and discipline, and I know you know this, but parents are parents and children are children. Your household is not a democracy. It doesn't have to be authoritarian, but but it's not a democracy. At the end of the day, if you're paying the light bill, if you pay for the electricity, you should probably get to choose what they're allowed to watch through it. Well, I just don't want to stifle their creativity. Give me a break. Pick your battles. Pick your battles. Sorry, I've messed up the people doing this. Don't worry about it. Just leave it, leave it. Don't, don't forget positive feedback, though.